It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. We're back with Joshua Duran. We're talking about IO psychology entering the cosmos and with with space psychology. And we're talking about all the parallels. We're going to get into, we're going to talk about space, space tourism. And before we started recording, I, I, I said, look, I want to talk about space tourism because it's just, it's so exciting, but I don't know how to parallel that to, to IO. How do we talk about it in that regards? And you said very simply, they're the customer. So what else? <laughs> yeah. So I was going to go on a quick tangent. So space tourism is an industry and within that market, your your customer are called space flight participants. And this text that I have uh, entitled International Space Station Medical Standards and certification for space flight participants. Essentially, this is a document that applies only to passengers without operational assignments. So they aren't going to be doing anything and they're being transported to the ISS for short-term stays under 30 days. So these are people who are going clearly just to just sit there and do nothing but be in the moment. And it includes a medical evaluation and causes for rejection. So this nice little report it's great for companies that are interested in basically who is your who is your customer base, and this document will definitely tell you. But in the grand scheme of space tourism, yeah, they are essentially your customer. So all we need to do is recruit people from the hospitality industry to go up there with them to give them that experience. It is a luxury that few will um, endeavor. Uh, once we get more into transits then that's when we can start thinking about increasing that customer base. But I think for the most part, you're going to be looking at people who are into really thrill-seeking and sensation-seeking hobbies. So things like paragliding, anything that the risk of death um, increases. How many? So my question is going to be how many decades until we get there? And the there is we don't necessarily see advertisements on TV. For hey, do you want to go? To, do you want to go to space? Do you want to spend thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to go into space? But we will. We will start to see that advertisement. With that's going to come marketing, which is a huge benefactor of psychology. So then you start to get into all other things. How many decades until we start to see advertisements to go to space? I say within two decades, within our lifetime. We're going to have to see what kinds of successes we can gain from visiting the moon, because that's basically what we're geared towards, is turning that into a base as a platform to jump towards Mars, and then also using that as a, as a place for a telescope. They're essentially using the moon as a base of operations. Two, you mentioned two decades. I have 
from your notes here, what happened in the past two decades that started this. Before I forget, William Shatner, I think he's in his 90s now. He got back from space recently, so he went up there. And I read recently, I, I believe he said that he's been very depressed since he got back because being there and being that environment, just absolutely how beautiful it was and seeing it and nothing can compare kind of thing. So two events were pivotal in public space travel or what we're calling space tourism today. Uh, Dennis Tito's voyage to the ISS, to the International Space Station, on the Russian Soyuz spacecraft in April 2001. So 2001 seems like, I'm guessing that was the first one. And then in 2004, Bert Rutten secured a victory in the X Prize competition with Spaceship One, which was followed by Bob Bigelow's, not Deuce Bigelow's, Bob Bigelow's <laughs> launch of the Genesis One orbiting hotel prototype, hotel prototype orbiting. Do you know anything about this? I, I'm just reading this now. <laughs> An no. orbiting hotel prototype? What is that? I guess they're trying to change the scenery while you eat because i haven't heard of that but that sounds that sounds kind of fun actually is it possible so now now my 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 brain's just going is it possible you know then i get to think of all the uh the space trash could you Ugh. throw up not vomit <laughs> could you put up in orbiting th this is my naive of, of space uh -huh. Could you throw up a building in space and just have it go around, hit hit the orbit of the hit the orbit of the Earth, and you could just be chilling out in a at a hotel in space? I guess so. You'd you'd have to have it out in orbit enough to where it can just um, circle Earth without actually have uh, coming down, because that would just be a disaster. So it definitely has to be high enough. So you would be technically in space. You would need a platform uh, for your everyone essentially to to come to your hotel and from so i think it is possible oh man and i'm sure we're going to get listeners who are hating us for even saying like that's the stupidest idea and they probably have all this <laughs> they probably have all this knowledge on i don't know gravity and algorithms and all kind of stuff of why that absolutely won't work but hey who cares it's fun to think right about. it is fun. um on the same note, in 2006, the U.S., the, the FAA published medical screening guidelines for assessing prospective passengers of crewed commercial aerospace flights. And I guess that's what you're talking about in terms of, look, if you're going to be a space tourist, you got to go through some medical screening. Exactly. This is where the checks and balances come in, uh, because it is coming from government agencies who took the time to actually go through the, the testing phases and see what's a viable option for mission success. And, and also you have here regarding psychiatric contraindications, the guidelines. So basically physiological, psychological behavior disorders, anything that could po pose a potential hazard to self or others is not permitted because I guess if it's in a, it, you know, an ice environment, you don't want to have the one crazy guy up there to just derail everything but we've seen how many videos now of people just going nuts on on flights so could you imagine someone just being going complete chaotic <laughs> with four other people uh on a rocket yeah that's a good analogy um so if anyone is wondering just picture why uh this is in place just picture like you said those uh people going through a psychotic episode 
because I don't really want to call them crazy. I think I learned that through psychology just to give them a sense of that it's they're not the 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 illness that they just go through that. But going on another tangent, we will have seen that on a scope that we have never seen before. Do you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. having Karen's explode on a airplane, just imagine that times 10 and that's what you get in space. So it might be, so you gave it 20 years before we start seeing the commercials. It's probably going to be a hundred years before we start seeing whatever the then is TikTok of people in space, <laughs> not having a good time and making sure that other people aren't having a good time as well. So then you get into a whole another realm of, it's just fascinating because it's so small. And all the research, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, there's just not a whole lot of, of research that can be done on what it takes to be an employee going into space. In other words, an astronaut now, because you've got like 25 people to study, and that's not a good sample size. So you take what you can get, but it's interesting to see 40 years, 50 years, 60 years down the road, how that sample size increases. So then you can start to really collect a lot of data to determine what is needed to, to succeed, to thrive in these environments. And also what's needed on a completely separate, it almost seems that there's parallels, but very separate in terms of the space tourism aspect, because it's not an employee, it's a luxury, you owe them something. So there's seemingly a, uh, a lack of control there. Very right. interesting to think, what, what, what comes to mind? <laughs> so... When you mentioned TikTok earlier, my mind straight went to zero G pranks and I was just trying to understand the concept and I, I just could not help but laugh. So, so just imagine uh, what zero G pranks will look like in 100 years. But <laughs> you're going to have to repeat your question. I'm sorry. Well, first off, tell me about zero G pranks. I'm unfamiliar. <laughs> I live under a rock. I would say that's the thing. I wouldn't know how pranks would transform because of lack of gravity. So I would not know what that would look like. And I was just trying to picture that. So that's where my mind went. Oh, time. I see. Okay. <laughs> so it'll be something that's created. It's not something that's going around now. Got it. Exactly. All right. I lied. I don't live under a rock. <laughs> what are the, so in terms of space tourism, what are, what parallels can be drawn right now to the customer service industry in regards to companies that are heavily customer focused, what can they learn from, I guess, not what's been studied on the four to seven space tourists that have been out there already, but what can be learned now? Or actually, how can the space tourism industry learn from what's going on now with those customer focused industries? I think how to cater to the customer base, how to talk to them, because you're definitely going to have to sell the concept of being confined in such a dangerous environment. So we go back to ice environments. You have to really understand that there will be no luxury other than like maybe what you sleep on. Um, you're in this confined space. You're you're going to have a rough time. And selling that to people is something that can probably be best understood in terms of um, those high addictive, high sensation seeking um, hobbies that I mentioned before. So I can't really think of much other than uh, paragliding, um, rock climbing, anything to do with a sense of danger, that thrill 
um, is what you're catering to. So you're trying to make it this type of amusement industry. As technology increases and we're able to, to send different payloads up cheaper and cheaper, supposedly by the day, do you expect that that luxury component, are they working on the luxury component? Bigger spacecraft that can get up there. Is that even a thought right now for space tourism? Maybe and the private corporations like your SpaceX, your Virgin Galactics, your Blue Origins, the ones that are actually building the rockets, they're the ones who they say how much luxury goes into it. But any of the government agencies are really focused on uh, sustainability. What can we do to mitigate all of these adverse effects of space while also being realistic in terms of how much do we want to get accomplished in a certain amount of time? That's very specific and that's good because you would hope that they're very specific and purposeful about that. All right. We will see everyone next time. We'll continue to do these fascinating IO psychology enters the cosmos episodes with space psychology counting out in five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of work cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seabock.com.